Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch with Shale Magazine. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bilotto. Kim, a couple of great guests on tap today. We've got David Blackman coming up. Also, our energy expert. Our energy expert. And also, we've got a super special guest coming up later in the show, Congressman Will Hurd. I couldn't agree with you more. The guests that we have had uh, as of lately are just absolutely phenomenal. And I love, you know, when we started the Oil Patch radio show, it was a uh, talking about energy and energy topics. We wanted to explore them more. But, you know, a year into this, we've really grown as a show in depth to where we don't just cover oil and gas. We cover policy issues, energy issues. We cover business issues and technology issues. We really do have a great handle on all the different things that affect our lives outside of energy and also including energy. Well, each and every week, you're going to hear about some of the oil and gas players. You're going to hear about local business in the state of Texas, and sometimes even nationally. Uh, technology is such a huge thing for this industry. The The technology has just, over the last 10 years, it's evolved into some really, really high-tech equipment and high-tech technology that's that's getting the job done for us, and policy. Exactly. And you know, all of these topics are so important. We are not making the right policies in Washington, D.C., or even in Austin that affects our energy. And we've seen a lot of it. It does have an impact on all of us through job, job security, as well as the amount of taxes that we are, are, are raising. So it's an important topic, Alvin. And I also agree with technology. You know, oil and gas is the number one most um, is the number one sector that creates the greatest technology coming out and in which everyone gets to utilize it. So I'll give you an example. In uh, Vegas, they have the Consumer Electronics Show. It's the largest show worldwide, bar none. It's an opportunity to actually show all the greatest technology that we're going to utilize or that we're utilizing in. Almost every single piece of that is coming out of the innovation coming out and the technology from the oil and gas industry. Think about that. And we want to be here giving everybody that information firsthand of different technologies that affect us all for the betterment, but they're coming out of the energy sector. And, you know, to steal a line from from our good friend David Porter, regulatory framework matters. Absolutely. And we want to talk about it here on the show each and every week. And with that, Kim, let's bring in our first guest. He's our resident oil and gas expert, David Blackman. Kim? Well, thank you, Alvin. And we have back with us this week, David Blackman, who is our energy expert. And uh, David, welcome back to In the Wall Patch. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, you know, um, every week we really try to talk a little bit about energy, but, you know, Right now that we are currently getting very close to uh, electing a new president, we kind of have been talking a lot about what does the political scene look like. So I did want to get your opinion on a couple of things that are starting to surface here in the last week. And, of course, you know, the presidential campaign is what everybody is fixated on. Um, but I was curious uh, to ask your opinion on tell me what your thoughts are with uh, you know Donald Trump is proposing a lot of new changes 
to hopefully get himself elected. Some of them are focusing around uh, five things that he wants to change pertaining to lobbying, lobbying money, big money that's coming in and uh, corrupting the government. And then the other one is the term limits that he's trying to set on members of Congress. So what are your opinion on on why this is coming out and, and does it go anywhere? Does it have any uh, meat in it that might help him with his polls, polling numbers? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I don't know that it will help him uh, with the polling numbers. Uh, the media isn't really covering issues anymore. Um, so it, it's unfortunate that the, that the the election has just come down to, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, unimportant things that, that don't really impact the people. And uh, so the, the reforms he's suggesting are good ones. Uh, you know, he's talking about uh, not allowing members of Congress to lobby uh, in Washington for at least five years after they leave office, which is supposed to be the rule, but they all get around it. Uh, he's talking about the same same kinds of restrictions for, for people who serve in executive positions in the administration, whoever, in presidential administrations, which again is supposed to be the rule and was the rule in, in Republican years, but uh, has now gone by the wayside. And uh, you know, and, and those things would be very positive because you, you have this cycle, basically, where people serve in Congress or in an administration for four to six years, get out and become multimillionaires lobbying their former colleagues. Um, and that, that's not productive for the country or the government or the people in any way, shape or form. It ought to be severely restricted. It ought to be banned. Um, and then the whole term limits concept. Um, yeah, I've gone back and forth on that personally. There's good good things and bad things. You know, it would, you know, when you look at the United States Senate, for example, you have in both parties leadership uh, who are, you know, in their 70s and 80s have been there forever and completely lost touch with the states they came from, uh, in no way represent the people of their states, but they keep getting reelected because of their name. So you could theoretically prevent that from happening. Um, the only downside of it, and I really think it's more of a downside in the states than it is in Congress, is is that when you limit people to 10 or 12 years, whatever it is, you lose so much institutional knowledge about how the process works and, and, and about uh, how to you know, make good policy when, when the first wave of them leaves, that it's hard to recover from that. We've seen that happen in Oklahoma and in some of the other states where you just lose so much institutional knowledge that it, the state government has a hard time remaining functional. But uh, quite honestly, things have become so corrupt and, and inbred in Washington, I'd be happy for any kind of radical change like that just to shake things up. Well, and you know, if you look at the way um, charities are run, the majority of charities, especially 501c3s, if they're going to apply for their um, tax exemption, they have to have a board members that turn over. And the whole purpose behind that is to allow uh, new people to come in, new thoughts. Um, you know, people react differently with different kinds of people, new people coming in. And so I just think that when you look at an institution like our government that continuously has people who have been there as a career politician, um, I don't see that they can really understand what's going on back home 
and be a part of the fabric there because they're part of the Washington, D.C. scene. And that's kind of where their loyalty lies as opposed to um, possibly at home. But then you, you got to wonder, like, well, you're still being elected. So <laughs> it's just a— Well, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I mean, theoretically, it is the choice of the voters. And uh, whether for good or bad, that's how they vote. So Right. Well, let's, let's change gears just a little bit and talk a little bit about— the actual other uh, uh, members of Congress that are running, not the presidential race, there are some uh, pretty uh, heated different um, seats that are very, very important, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Um, And so what are some of the uh, congressmen that we should be looking at? Whose seats are vulnerable and why? Well, really, in Texas, the one incumbent who, you know, has the toughest race is Will Hurd uh, in San Antonio, uh, well, his district runs from San Antonio all the way almost to El Paso. It's the biggest congressional district in the country. Uh, you know, he's running again against Gene Gallego, who he who was the incumbent two years ago, and Mr. Hurd defeated. Um, that's a very close race. Uh, both of them have raised a substantial amount of money, and um, you know, everything's pretty even, and it's a, basically a 50-50 district, so... Uh, that's the one everybody's watching in, in Texas. Otherwise, the districts uh, are pretty significantly tilted, either you know heavily Republican or heavily Democratic district, and, and the incumbents pretty well are safe. I you know you, you read every once in a while articles uh, predicting that there's going to be some big wave in this election that may enable the Democrats to win control of the House. That that is not going to happen, and, and frankly, I don't think the Democrats. Amazingly, I don't think they're going to win control of the Senate either. It's probably going to end up 51-49 split uh, with the Republicans still in control of the Senate. uh, The Republicans probably lose eight or ten seats uh, net in the House, but they have about a 50-seat majority, so uh, they'll still have a strong majority after after this election is over. so Pete Gaikos and um, and Will Hurd, you know, we've had um, Congressman Hurd on quite a few times, um, and and part of it is because as him currently being in office, his district is affecting uh, a lot of oil and gas area, and so we talked to him. Um, and as he's come in, I've learned a lot about uh, his background. You know, he's an ex CIA agent, mm-hmm. um, as well as you know, he has a really good understanding of foreign policy. And so when we look at, you know, his seat, um, and then you have Pete Gallegos, who actually was endorsed by the Green uh, Peace Movement. Um, you know, it, we, we need to recognize that one is going to be pro-energy, which, you know, Congressman Will Hurd has been, and one is going to be more environmentally driven by the same companies that uh, want um, initiatives like keep it in the ground, which we already all know that when we do that, we will kill hundreds of thousands of jobs uh, here in Texas alone. And so, um, you know, it is an important race uh, to people that are in the energy sector of, of who they're selecting, in my opinion. So I hope that our voters will will go out and do some research on the two candidates, um, because one does have a lot of experience um, in the world issues that are very important, that we have somebody in Congress that understands that. And, you know, David, there's not a lot of, of Congress folks out there that really have the kind of depth and experience that Will Hurd does. I mean, to hear him. That's no, really uh, true. Yeah. yeah. To be out there in the Middle East and have a really good understanding of what really is facing our nation 
is uh, is scary. And so we need people in Congress that have that experience to understand. There's a lot of bad people out there in other countries that don't necessarily want to see the United States succeed on many levels. And so um, with that, I have to uh, close the show. David, I'd like to thank you for um, being here with us today and talking to us a little bit about what's going on in the political scene. And we look forward to having you back next week. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here and we'll talk to you again in a week. Kim, always great to have David Blackman on. What a great expert to have access to. And and with that, we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey along with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from Shale Studios, and we'll be right back. The Future of the Region South Texas Conference is coming up November 14th and 15th at the UTSA Downtown Campus in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. This is the premier economic development conference that you don't want to miss. We've got the greatest lineup of speakers ready to give you the latest information information and updates for the South Texas region that include workforce, energy, economic development, border issues, infrastructure, water, safety, transportation, and health. Tickets and sponsorships can be purchased at futureregionstx.org. Again, that's futureregionstx.org. See you there. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with your host, Kim Bellotto. Special guest today, Kim, Representative Will Hurd. Well, Congressman Hurd, I just want to start off by saying what an honor it is to have you here on In the Old Patch Radio Show. Um, Before we get started, I wanted to talk a little bit about your district. Your district is actually uh, the 23rd Congressional District, which actually stretches from San Antonio to El Paso, and it runs along the Mexico border, correct? Yeah, it's 800 miles um, of the border. Uh, It takes, it's two time zones. It takes um, 10 and a half hours to drive from one corner to the other. At 80 miles an hour, uh, which is the speed limit in about in most of the district, um, but I've, I've learned recently it's not the speed limit in all of Texas. Um, but it, it's it's a great district. I represent about a third of the Eagleford Shell, half of the Permian Basin. Um, we have Big Bend National Park in it. Every issue imaginable um, is in the district, and it's bigger than most states. So uh, we spend a lot of time uh, crisscrossing the district. I've been to to every county. I have 29 counties I represent. I've been to every county at least twice. Uh, we're getting ready to start what we call DC to DQ, where we hit all the Dairy Queens in the district. Oh, there's and a lot of there, them. There's a lot of them. You know, I got to keep my belt busters. Yeah, that's um, a great know. idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's 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 a it's a great part of the district, and um, it's also awesome representing um, the Permian, the Eagleford Shale areas, and our energy renaissance is really headquartered in these two parts of, of Texas, and it's great to be a part of it. Well, that district is really important to in the oil patch radio show as our listeners mostly want to either they're they're from the energy background or they're learning about it. But you are also an extremely interesting congressman. Tell us a little bit about your background and why did you want to run for Congress? Sure. So I, I was born and raised in San Antonio and I went to Texas A&M University where I got a degree in computer science. And it was my freshman year, and I'd never been outside of Texas. And I'm walking across campus, and I see a sign that says, take two journalism classes in Mexico City for $425. And I had $450 in my bank account. So I went to Mexico. Fell in love being in, a, in another culture. It was great see, you know, seeing things I only read about in books. I did international studies as a minor. And I had a professor in one of my international studies class who was a former CIA officer told the most amazing stories, got me interested in going into the CIA. And so when I graduated from A&M at 22, um, I was an undercover officer in the CIA. I was the guy in the back alleys at 4 o'clock in the morning collecting intelligence on threats to the homeland. I did two years in D.C. at what I used to call the super secret 
CIA training facility called The Farm, um, but now it's on Google Maps. And then I did two years in India, two years in Pakistan, two years in New York City, and then a year and a half in Afghanistan where I managed all of our undercover operations. And I also had to brief members of Congress when I was in the CIA, and I was pretty shocked at the caliber of our elected officials. So my mom always told me either you're part of the problem, part of the solution. So I decided to run for Congress, and I did that in 2010. I lost my first election and became a partner in a consulting firm, helped start a cybersecurity company where we basically broke into banks, stole their money, and show them how we did it. And it was a great experience to not only learn how to start a company from, from, from ground up, because you know if you're an entrepreneur, the last thing you should be worrying about is our tax code. You should be worrying about how you produce the best widget, how do you offer the best service, how do you find the best people to work for you, and so it was, it was a great experience. And you know, I, I, I had projects all over the world, and it was stuff that was very helpful to me um, in, in making you know, our first year and a half in Congress very successful. You, that's just interesting that you were so young and taking on such a huge responsibility, and now you're using those expert uh, past experiences to use um, as you run for office and as you are a congressman now. There are some very interest. We are living in interesting times. Would you not agree, Alvin? I Absolutely. Mean, all of these, all of the uh, uh, things that are unfolding as as we watch TV and we're glued to it between the Democratic National Party, the Republican Party. However, the Democratic nominee for president, Hillary Clinton, recently, WikiLeaks um, has released quite a few emails showing uh, a lot of different things about Hillary Clinton. One of them, uh, which has really piqued my interest for quite some time, is her um, lack of understanding the security pertaining to her emails. And tell me your thoughts on what is happening with these emails and how did we respond properly by not prosecuting her? Well, I don't think the right move was to, to, to not prosecute her, uh, to be frank. Um, we had a, I, I sit on the Oversight and Government Reform um, Committee, and we had the director of the FBI come testify before our committee um, about this server issue. And what's outrageous to me is that the former Secretary of State had an unauthorized server. The State Department did not approve her having a server in her basement. She had an unauthorized server in her basement that basically had no protections around it, on which we know transited classified information, top secret SCI, that special compartmented information. Those are, those are secrets that are that from people that do what I used to do, right? Um, it's from human, it's from um, signals intelligence, it's some of our most important secrets. And there were seven of these emails that had that level of classification. And about 36,000 emails were deleted, so we don't even know all the information that had gone through her server. And to say that the former Secretary of State did not know the difference between classified information and unclassified information is outrageous to me. This is someone who went to a top liberal arts university on the East Coast, went to Yale Law School, top of her class, ran a successful law, law practice in Arkansas, was the first lady, which is like being a CEO of a company, was a senator and Secretary of State, and to say she didn't know the difference between that information is, is outrageous. And, and, it, and it went around this issue of intent. Did she intend to, um, to do this? Well, the reality is that the law did not have intent being a hurdle that had to be cleared in order to prosecute. And the, the example I've used with people is if you're on you know, Interstate 10 
and the speed limit's 70, and you're going 85, and you get pulled over by the police, and you tell the police, I didn't know I was speeding, you're still getting a ticket. And when it comes to protecting our classified information, this sends the signal that it's okay to willy-nilly handle classified information. It's, it's sending a signal that it's saying it's okay to create an environment in which protecting our secrets is not valued. And the reality is this, I can see a situation where a former colleague of mine was picking up an asset that's giving us sensitive information, that's driving our national security, and I know that asset turned to someone and said, hey, does the Secretary of State know my real identity and get the information I'm getting? Because what that, this kind of issue happens, it, it impacts the people that are helping us overseas. And we have to show that our senior most people involved in our national security apparatus know how to protect classified information or are committed to protecting classified information. Well, it, did that in any way also compromise any real security issues with other countries? Because my understanding is there was that opportunity that other country, countries received very sensitive documents from this uh, mishandling of emails. Uh, we need to stop right there and take a break. I do want to continue this conversation, but we're out of time for this segment. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with your host, Kim Bellotto, visiting with U.S. Congressman Will Hurd. We'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that will keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, visiting today with Congressman Will Hurd. Kim? You know, before the break, um, Congressman Hurd, we basically, I was asking you a question about how much damage could the release of these emails that were confidential information put the United States at risk with other countries. And you having a background in the CIA, you are the most appropriate person to talk on this topic. Well, where this, where this would come in, and I haven't had the opportunity to review all the emails and all the information that was, that was um, included in the emails that we found. Right? Because again, there were, we know of at least 36,000 emails that were deleted. If there were information, and we know seven of these emails had top secret information in it, um, that top secret information could have come from um, foreign nationals that are providing us secrets. It could have also come from other governments that have um, that that shared this information with us. And so the question is, you know, from where did that information originally come from? And that's how it damages um, our relationship. It damages relationships going forward because, trust me. Everybody around the world has been following this and watching this, and their question is, are other senior members of the, of the U.S. national security apparatus um, not protect information the way that the former Secretary of State did? And so that, helped, that erodes the trust that other, uh, many of our partners, whether they're foreign countries, whether they're, they're foreign nationals um, that are assets of, our, of like the CIA and things like that, um, it erodes the trust that people have with us. Well, and, and let's unpack that just one step further. You as a CIA operative, what would have happened to you had you done the same thing? Oh, I would be in jail. I would be in jail. And, and the, the people say, though, there's not any um, you know, real examples of where something like this has happened. There are. There are a number of cases where translators served 17 months in prison 
because they had um, CDs that contained the, the um, interviews of someone in like a Guantanamo Bay, right? Um, so, so there are other examples. Um, Director Comey mentioned that no reasonable prosecutor would have taken this case up. What would they do to Snowden if they got him back here? Well, exactly. Um, and and so, so to me to think that, I, I and, and, and Director Comey even said himself, that if somebody in the FBI would have done this, there would be serious administration, administrative repercussions um, going forward. Um, and that if somebody was a, had done this and was applying for a job, that this information would be taken into account on whether or not this person would be getting would be would be granted a security clearance. And so it it really is um, it really is unfortunate. It really does um, erode um, the, what the 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 sense that our national security infrastructure is. It, what they need to be doing to protect information. And, and the reality is, is, is rank and file uh, Americans, whether, I don't care what part of the political spectrum you're on, they feel like this is uh, two Americas, you know, that one set of rules apply for everybody else and another set of rule applies for people that have stature and prestige in our country. And that's, that is, that is um, not a good place uh, for a country to be in. You have been an extremely active congressman. You've passed pieces of legislation, a lot of them for the short window of time that you have been in office. So let's talk a little bit about your track record. Um, give me some examples of some of the pieces of legislation that you've passed, and especially why are you finding that you need to pass these pieces of legislation? Sure. So we're, we're very proud of our record. I'm a first-time congressman. I've been in office for 19 months. Uh, we've gotten four bills signed into law. That's um, unheard of. You've yeah. been busy, Congressman. We, we have. And, and we have, uh, I believe, four more that have actually passed the House, and we're working on getting them out of the Senate. Uh, one just recently came out of the Senate, and we're waiting for the president to sign it. Uh, my first bill you know, was something that did with Border Patrol. With 820 miles of the border, um, I have more um, area of border than any other member of Congress. And what was happening is the way some of these, are, uh, the way the Department of Homeland Security was going to implement pay reform was going to, was going to impact the men and women in Border Patrol. For example, um, someone was going to lose anywhere between $700 and $1,000 a pay period, and they're paid every two weeks um, if this pay reform was implemented the way Department of Homeland Security wanted to do it. We passed a piece of legislation to prevent that from happening. Only Washington, D.C. thinks it's acceptable to pay someone less for the same amount of work. And so we were able to fix that. That was our first one. Um, another piece of legislation is something that has to deal with improving the efficiencies of the federal government. Right? Um, one, of the ways, one of the ways that um, we can reduce the size and scope of the federal government is in the area of IT procurement. You know, the federal government spends $80 billion a year, that's with a B, on IT procurement, and 80% of that is on old, outdated systems. That's outrageous. Just two agencies, we recently found out, two agencies, when they moved their digital operations into the cloud, they saved $2 billion. Right? That's a whole lot of money. Imagine you know, if we were putting that money into our infrastructure and things like that. And so we've passed some piece of legislation that dealt with that issue um, as well. So it's, it's been an exciting time. And, and the reality is, um, the last time someone that sat in my district got a bill signed into law was in 2007. And it was the renaming of a post office. Great stuff, Congressman. And right now we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, visiting with Congressman Will Hurd. And we'll be right back. 
Tips. Hey, you, do you want to go to the fastest growing oil and gas mixer in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you got my attention, but what is Teak? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocate Coalition, and we hold free business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Is there a fee to join? Not for the next 90 days. It's completely free. So there's no charge to join, no charge to attend mixers, but we do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where do I go? You go to shellmag.com slash teak, T-E-A-C, and click the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. So let me write this down. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash T-E-A-C. Yes. Well, that sounds good. I'll see you at the next mixer. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. And with us today in studio is Congressman Will Hurd. Kim? Congressman Hurd, you, um, before the break, we were talking about um, how... Um, Prior to you being elected, uh, pieces of legislation had not passed in this very important district, which focuses on the Mexico-United uh, States border since 2007. And um, so, you know, your opponent running this year, Pete Gallego, is actually been just endorsed by the Sierra Club, which is a club that is focusing on environmental issues and a real havoc wrecker for the energy sector, oil and gas. What are your thoughts on this endorsement? Well, I, I was pretty shocked when he publicized um, his endorsement by the Sierra Club. The Sierra Club is a group that has a has a campaign called Beyond Natural Gas. You know, they're trying to stop the natural gas industry. Um, and that, what, what, what does that mean? How does that translate into District 23? Well, when you have the Permian Basin and the Eagle Ford Shale, the person that's representing this area should not be supportive of ending natural gas. You know, not only is it an amazing job killer, um, you know, our, our, the Texas economy and the U.S. economy has been built on the back of the energy sector. You know, despite what you were seeing all across the world, um, we've been a, we've been doing okay, partly because of the ener- energy industry. And so being supported by a group that wants to kill jobs is, is outrageous. And then when you look at our relationship with Mexico, Mexico has a huge need for natural gas. There's a lot of infrastructure that's being built between Texas and Mexico in order to provide that need. And guess what? You know, the, 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 the data is out there. When you decrease the, 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 the price of turning on your lights, you increase your cost of living. So the impact that our natural gas industry is going to have on northern and central Mexico is huge. And guess what? Let's keep that going down the line in Central America. And so, so to me, not only is, is the natural gas and oil sector and the energy sector as a whole important for our jobs, it's a tool of our national security as well, too. And anybody who, who represents these two great parts of, of the district uh, should not be supportive of ending natural gas. Especially when, when you consider that we've just passed uh, the ability to export, the export ban was repealed after tw- 40 years and natural gas just burns cleaner. There's so many companies in the state of Texas is moving towards implementation statewide of a natural gas. It's just unheard of. But I want to talk something. I want to talk a little bit more serious about border security. And, um, you know, the Syrian refugees, the United States is a very giving country. We want to help other uh, uh, countries that really need our help. But 
everything that represents these Syrian refugees and not being able to verify if they're ISIS or not is a very scary thing to, I think, almost every single American. It's every day we're hearing some kind of terroristic threat all over the world. What are you doing, and can you tell us about, with your past CIA agent, how serious of a threat are refugees coming in from Syria? So um, it's not just my past. It's also I, I sit on the Homeland Security Committee. And, and to be frank, there's a much larger problem than the Syrian refugee issue. It is people coming through our ports of entry um, legally. Right. Um, that is where the larger threat is, um, because it's quicker, it's um, less time consuming. And if you have a European passport, it's pretty easy. And so so when I look at the, the threats that we're dealing with, um, we have to make sure our last points of departure. These are these are airports around the world where there's flights, a direct flight into the United States. Um, what level of security are, are, are those countries doing in vetting their passengers that are coming on board? I sat on a task force earlier this year looking at the issue of foreign fighters. It was looking at Americans going to fight with ISIS in Iraq and Syria and coming back. One of the things that we found is that our, many of our European partners were not checking known travelers against terrorist watch lists and terrorist database. Um, some of our European partners were only checking one out of every three travel document. That's crazy. And so if we don't have um, our partners doing this, doing this um, type of review, um, then we're going to have problems when they get to our home, into our shores. And so if we get the right information, the right people at the right time, we keep terrorists off on the run and off our shores. The other issue with ISIS is their ability to leverage social media to inspire people even if they're 6,000 miles away. When I was chasing al-Qaeda in, in, in Pakistan and Afghanistan, they would do something called a night letter. They would write a letter and leave it on people's doorsteps. All right, you can hit a couple hundred people that way. ISIS is doing four social media campaigns a day, translating into 49 languages and dialects, and hitting hundreds of thousands of people. And so we need to be countering this ideology. And we need to be working with many of our Muslim partners in the region. The good thing is, um, I was recently in the Middle East with Speaker Ryan, and there were a number of the president's potentates and kings that are saying this is a civil war within Islam, and we need to counter it, we need to fight it. And we've been working on legislation to ensure that Department of Homeland Security, State Department, are, you, are focusing and, and leveraging all the resources in the United States to counter this, this Islamic extremism ideology. Because we, ha we have to take the fight to the bad guys, to their doorsteps, but we also got to counter the ideology. How do you counter the ideology in, in one generation? Well, it, simple things. Um, we have, people have, you know, ISIS uses, you know, iconic imagery from video games, TV shows, movies, they try to promote that, you know, they, they try to appeal to young men's sense of adventure. And we got to get the message out there that you're more likely to get a bullet in, in your chest or a bomb dropped on your head than finding adventure. Um, we've had people, we've seen people that have gone into Iraq and Syria to fight with ISIS and they've left. And in public you know, um, forums in Europe and places like this, they say ISIS are bad Muslims. They're killing other Muslims. The place is terrible. It's not 
paradise on earth. We have to get that message out. Department of Homeland Security wasn't using those that, that kind of messaging. And so we passed some legislation that said, hey, you will use these public pronouncements of people that have been there and come back and said it was terrible. Use that. The U.S. is home of some of the best brands in the world. We can't. It's, this is not a, a, something that can be solved by the government alone. You have to work with the philanthropic community. You have to work with industry. You have to work again with our partners, our Muslim partners in the Middle East, in order to counter that ideology. We can do it. We must do it. And the bad guys will not win. Congressman, you, you've got an election coming up in November. If your constituents want to get involved and support you or have their voice heard. What's the best way to get in touch with you? So the best way to get in touch with us is, is through social media. Um, and, and our website has all of our contact information. My official website is heard.house.gov. And um, my campaign website is, is heardforcongress.com. And you can follow me on social media at Heard on the Hill. That's H-U-R-D on the Hill. Um, and, and, you know, whatever you're, whether you like Twitter or Snapchat or Facebook, we're on it. Uh, and it's Heard on the Hill. Congressman Heard, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to having you back. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, Congressman Hurd, for being a part of the show today. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. And with that, Kim, we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. And you know what? We will be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, Oilfield Experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Hey, oil and gas friends, Alvin Bailey here. You know, every week, Kim and I work really hard to bring you up to speed with what's going on out here in the Texas oil patch. I also want to take just a minute to talk to you about your fleet needs. Whether you have one truck or 1,000 trucks in your fleet, I can help you. Call me when you have a minute and let's talk trucks. Did you know that the Kalig Auto Group offers pickup and delivery right from our service departments? and I'll bring the dealership right to your desk. You don't need to drop what you're doing and come waste hours and hours of your valuable time haggling over pennies. I have a very transparent process with a simple pricing formula that ensures you're always gonna get a very competitive price and the very best service available in the industry. So call me today, area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656 and let's talk. The Kalig Auto Group has Ford and Ram trucks for your heavy-duty needs. We also carry Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, Jeep, even Lincoln and Lexus for your luxury needs, and we have an Audi store coming soon. So whether you need work trucks for your day-to-day business or a new Lincoln or Lexus for you personally, call me. My cell number is 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can always email me. A Bailey at KaligAuto.com. That's A Bailey, B A I L E Y, at Kalig, K A H L I G, Auto, A U T O.com. I look forward to seeing you down the road. Psst. Hey, you. 
Do you want to go to the fastest growing oil and gas mixer in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you got my attention, but what is Teak? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocate Coalition, and we hold free business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Is there a fee to join? Not for the next 90 days. It's completely free. So there's no charge to join, no charge to attend mixers, but we do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where do I go? You go to shellmag.com slash teak, T-E-A-C, and click the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. So let me write this down. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash T-E-A-C. Yes. Well, that sounds good. I'll see you at the next mixer. You know, great companies take great care of their employees. Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. From pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more, trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 1-866-334-2485. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, what a great guest. Amazing, man. Just absolutely. He's so interesting to me, being an ex-CIA agent. How often do you even get to meet someone like that? Well, that and, you know, he's a sharp guy. He's such a such a crown jewel for his district that... For our district, because, you know... That's exactly what we need is to be sending people, in my opinion, we need to be sending people who have this past experience to the Congress to help create bills that actually will work in the benefit of the American people. Well, and he's gotten four bills passed. And let's talk about that for a second, because every session there are in excess of probably 10,000 bills that go before Congress. And after you take out the naming of the parks and post office and and the other stuff, 1% of those get passed. Congressman Hurd's gotten four bills passed. And he said he's got like four or five more that are yeah. scheduled to be approved four, here. Four more that, that are probably going to pass. He is a dedicated guy that to me can sh- – clearly he shows the voting population that he can get things done in Washington. Absolutely. You know, we definitely are living in interesting times between both of these candidates and trying to decide the American people, do I stay with my party? Do I vote outside my party? Uh, Who best represents me uh, and my views and my opinions? And then, of course, just the world topics. There's so many things going on to consider. Uh, Very interesting for the voters to consider which candidate they're going to vote for. It's going to be a very, very, very interesting election. Exactly. I have my candidate. Um, I've done a lot of research. And, um, you know, to me, the most important thing is looking at energy. I don't know uh, if you were able to listen in on Harold Hamm, who uh, is the president and CEO of Continental Resources, and Mr. Shell himself. You know, um, he's actually been a contributor to the Trump campaign and uh, talking a lot about energy. So I feel very confident that uh, presidential candidate Donald Trump is actually being given proper information on how important energy is to uh, the United States as well as the world and world security. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what discussions come up from the Democratic Party on how important energy is. 
it's going to be a very interesting election with with all the controversy that's just kind of swirling through there like a tornado. But it it will be interesting to say the least. Let's switch gears a bit, Kim, and let's talk about TEAK, which stands for the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, and how important this voice is for the energy industry. You know, Alvin, we created it to uh, work closely with this upcoming session um, here in Austin. You know, having a voice. Uh, voters having a voice and telling our elected officials in Austin how important energy is to Texas. You know, it covers, uh, energy is about a third of the state's budget. It provides so much resources and so many jobs here in Texas. And we want to be able to support this industry and saying we support the expansion of natural gas, we support the expansion of oil and gas, and we want to be down there to have our voice be heard that we are voters and we support this industry. I encourage everyone to go to our social media platform in the Oil Patch or Shell Magazine, come out and grow your business, network with us, but also learn how you can get involved in uh, being a part of Energy Day, which will happen in the new year as far as with the new session that will we'll begin. Well, energy needs a voice, and you need to have a voice within the ener- energy industry. And What a great way to get involved. Exactly. What a, it, a very low-cost way to get involved. Go to shalemag.com, click on the Teak button, and learn more about the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition today. Well, Kim, you know what time it is. It is trivia, trivia time. time. Write down this email address, radio at shalemag.com. Again, radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G dot com, because you're going to want to send in the first correct answer to the upcoming trivia question to win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful and yummy Palm Restaurant in Houston. Kim, what's our question today? What three-letter organization did Will Hurd work for in his past work history? The first correct email will win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. Again, email your response to radio at shalemag.com. Again, radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G dot com. And if you're the first correct email, you'll win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful and the yummy Palm Restaurant in Houston. And again, the question was, what three-letter organization did Will Hurd work for right out of college? And, Kim, I think that's going to wrap up another week here in the oil patch. Well, Alvin, as always, this was a great show, great guest. Very impressed with Congressman Hurd and the work he's been doing. Uh, Let's shut this down until next week. Adios. Adios. In the oil patch is where, together, we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.